ladies, it's Angela Yee. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for official rules and a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? It's Way Up with Angela Yee, and we definitely way up today because Buster Rhymes is here. Talk that talk. Talk that talk, <laughs> boss lady. Listen, Come on. Buster, I first want to talk about the fact that you have so many women that have been very instrumental in your career. That's Before a fact. we started this, we talked about Electra and Sylvia Rome. Yes, Queen. I saw your engineer posting about how excited she was. Oh, Rebecca. Um, is that her name? I my, just saw my, my, my tour manager. Okay. It's Rebecca Falls. Oh, no. Delany. Yeah. Delany. Sonic's by Delany. She's a woman. No, yeah, Delany's yeah, Delany. is a woman who's your engineer, yeah. which I feel is very rare. Yeah. You know, in this business. And then the women that you have on the album, I saw your tribute to Missy Elliott, what Absolutely. you wrote to her. Yeah. And I just appreciate the fact that you've always been so embracing of women, because this is an industry where that doesn't always happen, right. both on the mic Thank and you, behind Queen. the scenes. Thank you so much, Queen. For me... My greatest successes and my biggest support came from women. Women. But the woman that it started with was my mom's. Because my pops, you know, God rest his soul, he wasn't a fan of none of this rap thing. Like, he's his whole thing, you know, he's the old-fashioned, stern, strong-willed Jamaican man. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was, you need to learn this trade. I'm a licensed electrical contractor. I respect people that learn trade and we live and we provide the secure stability for our families based on trade. So a bunch of his friends is carpenters and plumbers and, you know, they do masonry and electricians. And he ain't trying to hear nothing else that is like a gamble in life that ain't got no history of stability. Right. Especially when it comes to lives that you gotta be eventually responsible for once you start having kids and get older. But his thing was really, it was a real weird experience for me as leaders in the new school. We had did a a, a amateur night at the Apollo performance one time. We had spent money to go in the studio. We working in 
Spectrum City at the time, which was the headquarters for Public Enemy in Long Island. They had a brother named Paul Shabazz that had a studio downstairs. And we save our money, we give Paul Shabazz some money, he let us rock, create our music. We created two songs. We saving money to make sure we got our fits and all of that. We go there, we do it. We got booed. My pops was there. Ooh. And he just hit me with the, I told, told you this you. was a bunch of <laughs> bullshit. And wasting your time with this dumb shit. And you need to just focus on, I don't want to even hear about no more of this rap shit. So my mother was way different. My mom's was with whatever I was with as, as long as it kept me out the street. Mm-hmm. So she would cook food and bring it to the studio for me, Dinko and Brown. Oh, that's nice. Just to make sure we wasn't running up in a Chinese food spot all the time or the deli to get sandwiches that... She's like, I'm just happy to see my son in some place. Passionate about something. That's a fact, Angela, because, you know, I was finding mischief in Brooklyn, which is why she took me out of Brooklyn to take me to Long Island. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, my mother signed my deal when I was 17 because I wasn't old enough to sign it. Right. So that support led to me ultimately being able to tell her she could quit her job once I got kicked out of Leaders and I got my solo deal. Right. Man, can I? Can we go back to getting booed at the Apollo, though? That had to be such an awful feeling because everybody... Worse. Like, what was the rest of that night like? Nah, we... There was a lot of... There was tears. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I cried. Like, to... to, to, to that, that embarrassment, you can't... At that time, too, you, you didn't even know how to deal with that. So the embarrassment from getting booed and then getting dragged off the stage and then your pops beating you in the head with the shit talk. Right. All of that combined was it was it was a traumatic feeling for me. It almost made me feel like I didn't want to do it. And and uh, what kept me so determined though was you know my pops wasn't the type of pops that gave me a choice. Like it was you you coming to work with me. So like on weekends. Instead of letting me run around with the, the homies in the street and find mischief, I had to go work with him. And I'm in these abandoned buildings in Bed-Stein and Brownsville and in Crown Heights that they was given, con- they was being contracted to, my father was being contracted to put electricity in the whole building. Mm-hmm. His homies would be the carpenters and the plumbers and all of them would have different roles to play in the same construction that was happening in this building. Same work. So me being at work with him at 12, 13 years old, I'm trying to be a kid still. I don't right. want to be there with him in these nasty-ass buildings. You got, they was wet. They had big-ass cockroaches, rats running around, and everything was just nasty, filthy, and cold. And it was just that whole experience. It was like, I, I'm not I don't see I'm this not in my future. This. Word, yeah. I'm not doing none of this. Let me get this rap thing popping for real because... Number one, I want to hit him with the I told you so. That what I thought I was passionate about and believed in, I was right about it, and I'm going to secure this win, and you're not going to deter me from this determination that I have to secure this win, number one. And number two, I don't want to come back to this work environment so much. I want to stay away from it so much then I'm going to become iller with the rhyme. I'm going to go to the extreme when I get on stage. I'm a, Any opportunity that I get, I'm going to overdo it mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm cutting deep into the souls of everybody that's watching me or that I get an opportunity to do it in front of again. And I also don't want to ever experience getting booed like that 
Right, that's the tough. Apollo and guy. when they've been that Sandman out, we think about that now. They, that is really like Yo, crushing. They, they come out there and do that little funny ass dance. <laughs> you like what? Yeah. With the, with the, what? Yo, that shit is the worst shit. So, so for my moms, to Mona Scott, Young. You're right, Mona Scott was your person at Violator. Yeah. To to Rebecca Foster, my tour manager for 32 years, Mona Scott Young. She 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 helped evolve me from just the MC and the rapper to the movies. She did all of the movie deals. She did all of the branding and strategic partner alliance deals with the Mountain Dew commercials that we was doing and just all of the things that I got into to diversify portfolio. And then there was another woman by the name of Monica Novo that was very instrumental in me doing a lot of development property investing. Mm, okay. So it was really a lot of women that was helping some, like helping me secure my wins. Um, Missy was another one that was like a, 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 a source of inspiration for me to pull from because she showed me so much love being that I was out before her and always made me feel appreciated for how much I inspired her that when she finally delivered with what she was doing and I heard how crazy she was with it. Right. She was inspiring me in return. And then what really gelled it was when she asked me to be on her first album and I was like, <laughs> I'm already OD fanning out on the low. Let me let you understand something. Not only am I gonna do this, but I'm I'm, 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 I'm with you forever. Yes. I'm gonna kill it and whatever you wanna do, let's do it forever. So it was just all of that. And then Sylvia Rohn going super hard for me for Missy, you know, the history that I made with that woman and continue to make with that woman, she she, she really, she, she introduced me to everything, the, the different tax brackets, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 there was things that she did for me while I was going through, wherever I laid my hat was my home and sliding up and everything and acting like I ain't had no sense when I was young and having multiple women pregnant and I'm super blessed and fortunate that you know all of those relationships ended up being cool but back then they was challenging. It takes some time it to get there. It took a lot of time there. to yeah. get cool. And maturity. Yeah maturity for sure. My kids you know I, I, you, you never really get the proper manual or book on how to be a decent father. You go on what you was raised to do and based on the way I was raised I'm thought, thinking that I'm doing everything right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of things didn't happen the way they were supposed to because you know, again, the conflicts with the mothers, it was a getting in the way of me in the relationship dynamic with my kids. Yeah, co-parenting is tough, and sometimes the kids end up being like the collateral, the collateral damage in the damage middle. The collateral damage for sure. And the beautiful part was the sacrifice that was made for me to win custody of three of my kids from one of my children's mothers and having my mother there to help provide the stability while I was out sacrificing to secure the food on the table. It was such a needed component in my life, not only so that I could have my mind in a place of balance and focus because I know they're in a good environment being taken care of. And don't get me wrong, the mothers for my children, they did an amazing jobs with my kids too, which is why I'm so fortunate with my kids now. Oh my gosh, they're on the album. What a full circle moment. So crazy to see. I got the one legacy. daughter. That, yeah, thank you, Queen. I love that song so much. It's amazing. Your kids are very talented. Thank you. Thank I was. You, they, yeah. I, even if they wasn't your kids, it's still like it's a 
And I'm sure you wouldn't put them on if it wasn't lit. Oh, no, no. Lit. Nah, nah. Yeah. Get your time. That's a fact. <laughs> Come on now. I can't be the bias pops with trash. <laughs> Trash kids. It'll do them more harm than good. Yeah, you know, it'll do me harm. Yeah. Like, yo, boss, come on, B. Like, we don't want to tell you this, but your kids are <laughs> Where's the sandwich? You know, <laughs> but, you know, for me to see them blossom, you know, Trillium was going in the studio making music since he was 12. He's 21 now. Did he hide it from you at first? Nah, he actually was excited about coming to the studio. What I had to learn to do was get out their damn way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm hearing things that sounded wrong. I'm trying to critique everything. And it was just blocking their freedom to create. And I learned that I needed to leave and let them do their thing. And then let me hear that imperfection because sometimes the imperfection is the perfection. Mm -hmm. And once I started to hear the, the, the magic happening as they started getting older and more comfortable with the studio, it, it was it was like emotional for me because I got records that I'm going to use that my second to my oldest son, Takai, produced for me with other MCs that's well-known MCs as collabs on his production. Trillion rhymed on me on, with me on the ELE2 album. Wow, that's great. Oh, it's amazing to see all these um, artists who are now, like, have kids who are in the business. It's incredible, It's right? incredible. I love it. Even, like, the Wu-Tang guys you yeah. see, you know, Old Dirty Bastard, Jizza, yeah. you see their kids. Absolute. Our Absol artists, too. The most phenomenal thing is that part. And to see when they actually do the job in an amazing in an amazing way. I see Devon's son out there helping run the tour when we was out there with Wu and Nas. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? But... That's what that's what is the evolution is supposed to be, right? right? And if it ain't that, then what we 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 doing something wrong. So, you know, it's even more of a blessing to see when they choose that path on their own, and you ain't gotta force them to go that route. Like mm -hmm. that's really the the rewarding part of it all. But, Ange, I'm just like, I'm in a super super happy space. Like I don't even know how to explain it, and I, and it's the reason why that's the constant narrative for me. My kids is grown. None of them is babies no more, even though they're going to always be my babies. And they're getting busy mm -hmm. and productive. And this thing happened this year where I was finally able to get all of my kids together. Like, since they've been born, I wasn't able to really do that. Right. Once that happened, it just, it just took the joy and the happiness and the peacefulness amongst us amongst each other as a family to a whole other unbelievable and powerful place. And that's when you were getting honored, right? They all That was the first time they all been together right. since they've been born at the Lifetime Achievement Award for the BT Award. That is amazing. Since they've been born. Do they the speak to each other? They've like been a... speaking to okay. each other. Like that's the one thing like they've always wanted that. Right. To, that that moment of coming together. They would, you know, have their own individual conversations with me in one instance or another like Dad, like when we gonna get in this, I don't. I want a picture with all of my my brothers and sisters in the same flick. Like one son would say something like that. Another son would be like, "Yo, Dad, man, like when I'm gonna meet my brothers and, and and my sisters and be in the same space with them. Like we could go to the movies together." And then my daughter would be like, "Damn, I see how y'all be having so much fun when y'all be together doing stuff together." with you and my brother's dad, when could we get to do that with you and our brothers? Because I do it with them when I'm with them, but one would, one lives in California, uh -huh. one lives in North Carolina, my three boys stay in New York with me, and then I have a son that's in Minneapolis. Okay. So 
you know, again, I had to make changes in my personal space so that I was able to do what I needed to start doing and should have done a long time ago for my, my kids. And I feel like this is something you never used to really talk about. Nah. Is it? Right. So now that you're in a better space Absolutely. and it's like a time of reflection, being able to be open about those things, because it does help other people too. No question. And it helps people to know your story because I feel like even on this album, it's a lot more personal Absolutely. than clean. things have been in the past. Absolutely, Queen. And I'm grateful that you, you, you peeped that and... I'm grateful that I'm in a space where I'm super happy and comfortable enough to share that because I really do want to share my joy and I want to share my happiness because I ain't never know this level of happiness actually existed until now. And if it took all of these years for me to actually get to this place, every millisecond of the challenges and the obstacle courses was worth it because it's so, yo, let me tell you something. Sitting in my incredible hotel room during the BET Awards weekend and coming home from my after party after the BET Awards. Which we had magical nights because we was out there for like five nights before the awards show because we had to do rehearsals and all of that. Mm -hmm. But when we get to this night after the BET Awards and then we do the after parties or whatever and we come back to the room and it's late and they wanted some food I sent my assistant to go get us all some breakfast food from Mel's Diner. And all of my kids is in the room with me. And we're looking at John Wick 4. And we're all watching a movie together for the first time. And then I start watching them fall asleep one by one. And I love the John Wick series, so I ain't going to sleep. <laughs> they all knocking out one by one. Got one daughter, she's 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 like up under me, under me, snuggling with me under my arm. And I got my arm around her. She got her head on my chest. Got one son laying down with his feet up on the table. <laughs> my other daughter's in a chair curled up. I got another son that's on the floor. Then I got another son that's on a lounge chair with his feet up on like a little awning that's like hanging out from the lounge chair. My nephew, he he he's sitting by the, the dining room table and he got his head down on the table. And I'm looking at this and I'm just like, I never seen all of my kids together sleeping in the same room before. And that was like a tear jerking moment for me because it was just beautiful to me. It feels know? like you have to plan more of these reunion moments. Nah, we're doing it tonight. <laughs> Are you serious? Everybody's here? Okay. Everybody's here except my youngest, Sicario. <laughs> He's in Minneapolis because we couldn't get him out here soon enough for this event tonight because we got a private screening, which I would love for you to attend, um, a private movie screening at this incredible theater in Times Square, which I ain't disclosing on the air. Okay. But I'm going to give you all of the deets, and we're doing an album listening and we're doing a making of the album documentary screening. Ooh. And we're also premiering all of the videos that we ain't put out yet that I shot already. And then we're listening to the album from A to Z. And then oh we're my doing gosh. a Q&A at the end. And it's like from 7 to 10. So when we finish all of this and whatever you finish yeah, doing. This is going to air tomorrow, so don't worry. Nobody's oh, okay, going to know cool. about it till all the next right, day. Well, we're doing the AMC. <laughs> you like, might as well say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're doing the AMC 
on 42nd Street. You know what? I remember I was with 7th Streeter one day, right? right? And this is one of the moments in... Um, I love her, too. Me, too. Incredibly That's my girl. Talented. And this is one of the moments in hip-hop where I... There's a few times that I might be like, this is surreal. Like, I can't believe I'm um, doing this. Right. But she was like, hey, come meet me. I got to go to the studio. Right. And so I came to Mirror. She was going to the studio with you. Mm. And so we were in there, and um, you were playing... Mm. Uh, you had a lot of songs done yeah, yeah, yeah. already, yeah. and you were trying to figure out like what songs am I going to use, and so you were playing all these songs. I remember was, there was one that we really, really loved. I right. think it was a Missy Elliott. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. And um, I just remember sitting there and be like, I can't believe I'm sitting here. Was 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 we in, was we in a studio called Winmark? I don't remember what the name. It was in Times Square though. Oh, in Times Square, we yeah. was at Quad. Yeah, we okay. was at Quad. That's the only Studio Seven come pull up to her to meet me at. Mm -hmm. When she's in New York, because she's an amazing writer, she's and so she incredible. was like, "Come with me," and I was like, "Because uh, I also always feel like certain people in their studio sessions, you know, you don't want to be like there, and there people work in different ways. Right. Some people That's don't like fact. to have people around; right. they like to keep it very closed right. off. But you were just uh, playing some of the music, so we got to hear a lot. And I was sitting there, and I was like, "This is crazy." I'm sitting in the studio listening to Busta Rhymes. Um, <laughs> you know, it just felt like a moment. Like I can't believe I'm here. Thank you, Queen. You know, thank you so I, much. Listen, I've been a fan since Leaders of the New School Thank when you. I was um, coming up, and y'all had like colorful videos Absolute. in school. It was something relatable for me no as doubt. a kid. It was fun. Your Thank music's you, always man. been that. And so, even back then, like, we don't know what happened because we didn't have social media. So, when Leaders of the New School broke up and then you went solo, I had no idea, yeah. you know, what was going on. Because I remember at first it was kind of about Charlie Brown. Right. It felt like it was always about Charlie Brown. Okay. <laughs> no disrespect, though. Brown, rightfully so, you know, when I look back at it in hindsight, he was the plug to all of the, the connections. Mm -hmm. Because Brown's older brother, DJ Higg, was super close with Eric Vietnam Sadler and Chuck D and all of them and Flav and them. So that's how we got the opportunity to meet with them so we could get on. Okay. And then... Brown, he kind of put us together. Like, me and, I wasn't rhyming when I met Brown. When okay. I first moved to Long Island from Brooklyn, I was just a hip-hop head. I was popping, breakdancing, doing a little graffiti, trying to be nice with the turntables on some DJ whatever. <laughs> and I wasn't rhyming. I meet Brown in junior high school out there. So, you know, a lot of families was like me. They, they 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 take their kids from the five boroughs and bring them to the island because yeah. we find out too much <laughs> trouble out in the boroughs and in the hood. And Brown was from Queens, D Dinko was Brooklyn, I'm Brooklyn, and then there was another dude that was down with us before Dinko came named Mystery, but he wanted to stay in the street with the hustling because it was taking too long to get on. But me and Brown, we in the schoolyard, and Brown rhyming, and he, I'm beatboxing for him, and I was like the 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 kid that was from Brooklyn that. There was this talk about me being this new kid in the school from Brooklyn. You know, whenever somebody is getting a little attention or a little talk, you know, Brown want to try to go and compete with whatever shine that's happening on this individual or this person. So Brown rhyming in the schoolyard, I'm beatboxing for Brown. Brown start dissing me while I'm beatboxing for him. <laughs> I'm confused like a motherfucker. I'm like, yo... <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm 
Hey, ladies, it's Angela Yee. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head on over to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for official rules and a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday. Each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Like, I thought we was, you know, I'm doing this for you. But I'm I'm so confused. I'm like, I don't want to f- fuck the vibe up. So should I keep beatboxing for this dude? This is how I'm questioning myself in my head. While he's still dissing me, and I kept beatboxing for him. I felt so disrespected and violated. And I'm saying to myself, I ain't walking away from this shit without smacking the shit out of this dude. <laughs> but that wasn't the way to do it. I'm like, this is the reason that I'm going to start rhyming right now because I'm a disrespect dude tomorrow. I can't wait and I can't take it. So I wrote a rhyme and came back the next day and, and, and bust his head in. And then he decided to create this group by saying, yo, you know, you nice. Your rhyme was crazy. You got it today. Let's, let's, let's get down with each other. I wasn't trying to pursue being on MC like that at the time. I ended up starting to rock with, with Brown. Then, you know, we met Mystery and then 
we agreed on Mystery being in a group, and then Mystery, he, he bounced, and then Brown found Dinko, and Brown brought Dinkos. So, and then I brought Milo as the DJ, because that's my blood cousin, his mother and my mother's sisters. Okay. At this point, between that, with Brown feeling like he kind of created the group, and Brown feeling like he was the plug to us getting access to the Chuck D's and the Eric Vietnam Saddlers and that whole bomb squad experience. He felt like he was the brainchild of the group. So it was, in his mind, it should be about him. Mm-hmm. When people started to hear me after the first Leaders album came out and PTA and all of these songs, it became... Yeah, Buster Rhymes, this Dungeon Dragon dude, like he's crazy with this this energy. And then when Scenario came, it's oh man, that was it. That was so, like all right, it's solo. <laughs> so it just it just it shifted the the attention from Brown to me so crazy that it it became a serious turbulence in the crew. And at that point, you know, I I, I had just I'm the first one to have a child, but I'm the youngest in the group. And when we broke up. I definitely was scared to go solo because I wasn't even, um, I had not yet experienced what it was to take on the responsibility of putting the whole project together by mm-hmm. myself. You know, you write your little 16 on a record with two other MCs, you, right. you out of there. You got your little 30 seconds space to rhyme and then you gone. Having to do that times three verses and mm-hmm. come up with the hook and do that for 10, 12, 14 songs by yourself, I wasn't with none of that responsibility. So. When I had my child, all of that changed. And and me jumping on everybody record to feed my child because right. I couldn't get show money because the group, I couldn't get the money without the rest of the group showing up. Did they try shows. to replace you at that time or did they just disband? And Bosch Rhymes is, unre- is irreplaceable. But Angela. you know how people will, you know, they'd be like, okay, we're going to keep the group going. We just... <laughs> That, it, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they'd even tried, but I just knew that 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 nothing happened with the okay. group after that, and I I I was kind of forced to go solo because the way the deal was done, Electra had us all still obligated to deliver projects as solo artists in the in in the event of us breaking up ever happening. They know. They've seen that story before. It's way too many times. That's why when Wu-Tang did their deal, it was so different because they all were still able to pursue solo. The most incredible thing we've ever seen for the first time was when Wu did their business the way they did it. Because as the group, they, could, they were still able to go wherever else they wanted to as solo artists, which was groundbreaking for all of us. It was mm-hmm. inspiring as hell. You know what I'm saying? So I had to rhyme on everybody else's record. Finding my way in other people's studio sessions, calling studio sessions. I was already cool with all of the studios. I was cool with the receptionist. <laughs> That's how you got to get in good with the receptionist. Got to get in good with the receptionist. <laughs> they going to tell you who up there. <laughs> when they leaving, you get to calculate how much time you got to come up there and walk in their session. Yep. Got it's... enough time to calculate when you're going to get the good <laughs> weed so that when you pull up, you roll that weed when you're walking in the door, you pass the blunt around, niggas can't kick you out the session. <laughs> Until they give you back your butt. <laughs> you write a verse quick enough before the weed come back to you. These niggas got inquiring about what you coming up with in the corner. <laughs> Let me get in the booth. I'm in the booth. Once I spit, you, you can't hear the record no more without the rah, rah, like a dungeon. Oh, yeah, it's over. It's over once I did that. What did your dad have to say at this point when things did start working out? 
He definitely was respecting it, but he still wasn't giving me the confirmation until after Wuhan went platinum in the first six weeks of its release and the coming <laughs> album went platinum, I would say within six months. No, about nine months, almost a year. When the renegotiation for When Disaster Strikes album happened and that bag came. Yeah. And then the publishing deal that we did <laughs> that went with that bag from the album deal uh, came. He's like, you might got something here. Nah, this is when he respected it. Because my pops, my pops, you know, him and his his crew, they was kind of show off. So we had this one uncle that, his name was Uncle Baba, and he owned a bar. And he was always with the, the fly whip, the little Benz and the Cadillac and the pinky ring. And he always had people coming in his bar to entertain the nightlife thing. And he was just a fly dude. And my father used to always big him up because of his whole drip and his swag at the time. So I put the nice presidential rollie on his hand with the diamond bezel and I put a mean pinky ring on his finger with some good clear VVSs and I got him a <laughs> incredible S-Class Benz and he was able to pull up on Uncle Baba and t- walk different. <laughs> he was like, oh, so you, you, you got money to do all of this at once for me? I see that uh, you figured it out. As I hit him with the exact shit he said to me at the Apollo. I told you. <laughs> I told you so. That's I an amazing you. feeling. The most amazing feeling ever. And he rode, he rode with it. He, he was forced to, he's going to respect it if you force his hand and respect it. Right. Earn it. That's all he's, he's, he's on that. Earn my respect and, and I'm with you. I know you said you've been working on your documentary for like eight years now is that how yeah, long? it's about eight nine years eight now. or nine years mm-hmm. where do you, where does it start it actually starts from birth mm-hmm. it starts with my mom's and my pops before they had me just so i could give a little understanding on why i'm the way i am they humble beginnings what they came from what they stood for and that respect thing and that integrity thing and that family, that love within the family was super strong in the crib and the Christian faith was super strong in the crib. And um, the respect thing was at the ultimate level of zero tolerance. Like, you can't respond to my mother or my father without saying, yes, dad, no dad, yes, mom, no mom. You can't acknowledge them how you would acknowledge your friend in the street because as far as they're concerned, they're not your friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that whole way that I rock with my kids now, like, we could be in a club and, you know. I, that would not have happened with you. It's never happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the most that I was able to actually chill around the company was when, you know, I was able to entertain the company my moms and them had when they was playing music and I'd get on my James Brown split shit so that I could avoid the 9 o'clock curfew yeah. to go to bed. You was doing James Brown split. I was splits. nice with the James <laughs> Brown split. You couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> and all of that showmanship came from just not wanting to go to bed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and one thing led to another. <laughs> it's really their fault. Well, it's my mom's and them fault. I ain't never want to go to bed at 9 o'clock. I, I, I would perform. I would find a way to distract them from paying attention to that clock. And then you know, sometimes when the, the family and friends come over and they sipping a little bit of that fire water and they got some of that fire water running through their vein and they're a little nice and saucy, they forget to watch the clock. So I just was rocking them until they started to feel like they wanted to go to sleep. And that's that was my way of finagling a lot, mm-hmm. just being able to entertain my family. 
So, How did you break the news when you were having your first child? Interestingly, Caribbean people is, is interesting in this way. My mother would dream about fish and shrimp and lobster <laughs> if I got a woman pregnant. And she would come to me and ask me if I got a woman pregnant before I would tell her. Oof. And then she would be like, she would be like, you know, last night, two nights ago, I dream, I dream up, I dream about fish. I'm a dream about shrimp. I'm a dream about some lobster and crab. So we have pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. <laughs> yo, yo, Angela, I ain't even gonna front. It used to scare me because I used to be like, I'm already six to eight weeks into knowing that this is a real situation. And I don't wanna say nothing until I confirm. So I'm waiting until the blood test. With the mother of my three boys, I was excited because we was in love like that at the time when I was in high school. But everything else after that, it wasn't relationships that I wanted to, you know, get into that level or that dynamic because those relationships wasn't as in-depth. Right. You know, obviously you want to be sure that you want to do this with the woman that you're doing it with before you do it and be very clear that that's the woman you want to do it with. And even at that age when you think you want to do it, you ain't even thinking of <laughs> the right way about how to choose the right woman to be the one that you get pregnant or to mother your child. So again, like you said, that you, you know, you're young, you're immature, you ain't going about nothing right in life. So that's how it used to come to me. My mom's was really strange and accurate with them lobster and crab and shrimp dreams when a woman was pregnant. And you think because you were still in high school, right, when you had your first three, well, the first one, mm -hmm. um, with the mother that you were with in high school mm -hmm. and, and onward, you think dy dynamics changed when you started to really have to be, like, on the road and be Busta Rhymes? Yeah, I think it definitely um, created some turmoil with me and, and the mother of my child at the time for my three boys who again was my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Interestingly though, she was a little character too, running around here. Well, you with, guys were with, young. Yeah, we was young and we wasn't ready to be serious in a relationship, but we did love each other and we was in love and we thought we was. It felt like it we was. <laughs> but, but, but when we realized that we wasn't really ready was once we started to have children because we it was just way too too much responsibility that went into that that we wasn't ready for. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know no other way but to take responsibility because my mom's raised us, my mother and my father raised us wonderfully. I'm not ever going to sit here in front like my household wasn't well provided for. That's I don't I'm, I don't got one of them stories where I could sit around in front about struggling and being in the hood and not having nothing. Yeah, and I you've was, never given that. Nah, you know? nah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say. Because even, like I said, when you first came out, it was relatable. It was in school. Mm -hmm. You guys, y'all had a car. What? You, know, you had your sob story. What? <laughs> what? What? So it wasn't like that. Nah, we wasn't. I'm, 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 I'm never, I would never fabricate my past to be valid and credible in the street. Why do you think people do feel that? like in hip-hop there has to be like this 
you know, struggle story of growing up a certain way. And people will really try to make it seem like I was sleeping with the car, in the car. I was homeless. We didn't have anything. A lot of people do do that and feel like that's where it has to come from. I think a lot of the times it's, it's a combination of things. I think, um, you know, I think like when I was saying it at the, at the BET Awards during the Lifetime Achievement Award speech, when I was saying I directed a part of the conversation to the executives, and I think that there's been a a, a a conscious effort for a long time to to make sure that certain artists, certain type of artists, and certain content can't even compete with the success of the narratives of suffering and struggle and broken home environment and hood and the environment that just ain't built on no code of ethics. Mm -hmm. That is the primary factor. Obviously, people gonna do what's gonna work, and then you gonna fabricate because you feel like that's what you gotta do in order for it to work. Fortunately, you you, you got a, a J. Cole and you got Kendrick, and you got dudes that, you know, they put music out. You got Jed, you got Shmino, you, mm -hmm. you got a lot of dudes that they, they ain't out here trying to fabricate like they've been in the street sticking something up, busting their gun, and right. moving the most bricks, because they found a way to, to 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 tell their truth and share their truth and be successful and make it a lucrative thing. But we was also raised in a time where the 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 gangster and the hustler and the extortionist and the murderer and the shooter, they still had this code of ethics that was super as as crazy as they might have been. You can't see somebody moms that live on this block and all of the goons that came off of this block know that they've been knowing this mother since they were shorties. Right. Moms come off of the B35 on Church Avenue in Troy and he's Flatbush and she got shopping bags when she get off the bus from a full day of work with her ankles swollen and dudes don't, they're smoking their weed and cigarette, don't put it out right? and throw it away and go help moms with her shopping bags and walk her to the crib and bring it upstairs and put her grocery away mm -hmm. and greet her as Mrs. Green or Mrs. Mrs. Smith or whatever her last name is. and Always show respect. The respect was, it wasn't even, you, you actually would get your ass bust if you didn't put the spliff out when you seen everybody else do it. Mm -hmm. After we let moms get upstairs, <laughs> We let the That's, neighbor's moms yeah. get upstairs. If you didn't do it, we come outside. They, you, you was getting your head bust one time. It wasn't even a discussion. So you knew it ain't a discussion. You don't make the mistake again. This is what's going to happen every time. Mm -hmm. So with that, there was integrity even outside the house. Okay. There was accountability in a real way outside the house. You can't at somebody and talk disrespectful to them from a social media platform. You talk disrespectful, you was gonna get seen or somebody was coming to pull up on you and you was gonna get dealt with because you had to stand on that shit that was coming out your mouth. Last but not least, if you was in the street as a shorty with the big homies and they eventually seen potential in you because you was able to either get nice with sports in some kind of way or you got nice with the music in some kind of way. They're going to keep you out the street. They're going to keep you out the street because they actually want you to help them get out the street right. by getting legit, <laughs> becoming successful, <laughs> and drag my ass through this shit too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's open some businesses even if the businesses ain't legit. I'm going to wash my money through this little clean as if you, you put me on as a manager or something. But whatever the case may be, it was done to push you each other forward in a productive way. 
even if you came from that. A lot of dudes in our era who parents bust their ass to make sure their kids didn't need, my parents was parents like that too. We got in the street anyway because we grew up around dudes that was in it that we knew our whole life. We trusted those dudes because right. we knew each other. We and those are people you look up to also, the older up, people. When they succeeded in that street, mm -hmm. we did look up to them. Yeah. Right? And we, not only did we look up to them, they genuinely cared about us. We genuinely seen them care about our parents. We genuinely seen them care about the other parents that was on the same block. And these is the, the people that we knew. So you did things and you got involved with things because you liked the excitement. Right. You wanted to be a part of what you saw that the people you was familiar with was a part of. You ain't do it because you had to do it. We was straight. <laughs> we wasn't broke. We wasn't hungry like that. Yeah, I ain't like the kicks that my moms might have bought me. She was on some pro kid shit forever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the homies pull up with the Pumas and Adidas and the Ballys and the Clarks and the Wallabies. <laughs> I wanted those. So if my moms ain't going to do it, then I got to get to this bag with the homies so that I, I could go to school the way I want to look. Right. So it became a little more of that than actually needing to do it. Yeah. No, and speaking of which, I want to get to the album, right? So mm. you started off with the statement. Mm. And, you know, it's been over 30 years mm. since you started off in this business, which I'm sure in your head you could never have anticipated where you would be today. You're, never. you're in a space where you don't need to do this. That's a fact. Right. You love to do it, but you don't need to do it. How is writing different when it's not something like when you were younger, like you said, this wasn't something that you necessarily wanted to do from the beginning and right. then you were forced into like this solo career. How is writing different now when it's not something that you have to do but it's something that you just love doing? It is the best and the most happiest and joyful time of my life because several reasons. The first reason, which is the most important reason, is exactly what you said. I'm doing something that I don't have to do because I've been tremendously blessed for so long. I'm in an amazing space just in terms of what I was able to do with business outside of music, my finances outside of music, and having a wonderful team of people that helped me create this little universe outside of music. But when you don't have to do it and you still love it mm -hmm. and you want to do it, and that fire is still burning in your soul from a passionate place, actually it's burning even more because of the fun that you're having and the joy that you're having. And I'm getting more flowers now than I've ever gotten in my career. You know, all of these awards and accolades and selling out Carnegie Hall with the incredible gentleman from Earn Your Leisure and Robert F. Smith and then, you know, sending that electricity through the room when we did the 50th anniversary Grammy performance yes. at the top of the year in February. Isn't and it amazing? It's, it's from, the, from, from that performance all the way down, this entire 2023 has been magical for mm -hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? Just coming off the tour with 50, and that tour was incredible. Google campaigns, um, Google Chrome campaigns, the, the smashing all of the festivals from something in the water to Strength of a Woman with Mary, Lovers and friends with Usher and them down in Vegas. And you got a six pack? Six pack is back. <laughs> talk that talk. Queen, we gonna, we gonna, we, women gonna wanna lick on these. Facto. It's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful feeling to, to feel good, to look good, to still be able to sound good, to be able to walk in your purpose, give artists that's younger the answers. Mm hmm. 
mentor, guide them, those that's willing to embrace and pull up. And I'm fortunate enough to have always embraced. So whenever they see me, they want to pull up. Whenever yeah. I see them, I want to pull up. People be so excited when it's busted. They're like, oh, I got to get a picture with busted, you think? <laughs> For real, like out of anybody, because as an iconic artist, but you're just very well loved. Thank you, Queen. And even with the people who work with you, I feel like from the beginning of your career, I haven't heard a story of Busta Rhymes falling out with this person. You know, seeing you even make the announcement about the album um, and seeing like Pharrell, Timberland, Swiss, who else is going to pull all of those people together? Thank you, Queen. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's a, I, sometimes it's, it's, just, it's like just dream come true on unfathomable levels type shit going on. Definitely the blessings that's being bestowed is in an abundance from the most high. I ain't never going to sit here and try to dance around that. It ain't a man thing what's happening. Yeah, obviously you... you, you, you you, you conduct yourself in a manner where you are a giver of love and respect, and I'm super consistent with that. Even if there's an issue, I'm gonna I'm gonna address you with it. I'm not getting on the record to talk to nobody on no social media about something that I know I could reach out to you directly about, mm -hmm. which allows us to maintain the integrity and the respect we got for each other, even if we ain't seeing eye to eye in any situation. Right. Because there's no disrespect publicly that you now got to fix publicly and you know the way I was raised if you do have the opportunity to reach me which I'm super accessible unless you giving me an energy that makes me feel like you're not welcome in my space there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to find a way to get in touch with me all right well on that note you know Benzino has some things to say about mm -hmm. Koyla Ray being on the, in the video mm -hmm. he didn't like how she was dressed mm -hmm. and he felt like you should have reached out ahead right. of time and right. so what do you think about that my thing first and foremost is Benzino has my number he knows how to reach me you ain't got to address me about nothing on no social media cuz you got my phone number Number one. Number two, I've never had to address him about a problem. And there's been plenty of different issues that we've actually went through that led to actual violence. With him and Dave Mays and mm -hmm. situations that transpired that we was able to resolve civil and respectfully because the beef wasn't even with Benzino, but obviously he got to ride with who he moving with. Mm -hmm. And we riding with who we moving with. But the point that I'm trying to make is, up until probably right now, this is not public information. I'm not saying this to promote the issue. I'm saying this to promote how the code of ethics was upheld and how we dealt with issues. We resolved it as men in face-to-face. -face. We wasn't on social media. We didn't talk on the radio and we all had records out you know made men was putting out records you know he was co-owner of source magazine but for me the reason why i was i've also felt like it was good to 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 deal with things in that way not only because i was raised that way but you know if we really gonna live by the proper code of ethics that we was raised on then why are you incriminating yourself talking about any conflict that you got with anybody on a social media platform or on the record anywhere. Talk to the person. Mm -hmm. That's the man thing and the grown man thing to do. And lastly, I actually appreciate a lot of things that Benzino might have done in the past. I think a lot of the times, even though we don't always agree with each other, 
I think Benzino did a lot of good for a lot of artists in the past. You know, that Source magazine was like a Bible. You feel me? Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of people that wanted to get on that cover. <laughs> there was a lot of people that felt like they had a problem with the way their mics was being rated on their oh, album. definitely. There was a <laughs> lot of people that felt like they wanted to perform at the Source Award that didn't get a shot. Mm -hmm. I, you know, Benzino made sure that I, I hosted the Source Awards like two, three times in a row. You know, I got my covers. I got my great mic ratings. If there was something that was done that I didn't like, if I had a disagreement with Dave Mays, you know, Benzino would come in there and mediate that. So I can't sit here and say Benzino didn't do right by a lot of artists. So for me, you know, I recently checked on him before he voiced his opinion and he hit me back and was congratulating me and what I was doing with Koi because I, I, I don't have nothing to gain other than to see the people and their kids that I know. Right. You didn't think it was anything harmful because I I mean you call her sis in the you know, sis. little sis. Yes. And it's a video. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm okay. not I'm I... not ever gonna compromise the respect. Not only me and Coy age difference is not that's yeah, not what I do. It was more of a protective like I'm this big is brother, sis. Yeah. I'm protecting my sister, mm -hmm. she's a superstar, she's in the industry as a woman where she's dealing with a lot anyway, and she's somebody that I got a history with, Benzino. A, a pretty good history with father. So I'm a, I am just feel honored to not only hold his daughter down and hold him down when I can as a brother and as a friend and as a resource, but I feel like she earned that love and respect for me because I am a fan of Coyle Ray. Right. Coyle Ray is brilliant to me. Coyle Ray is a superstar to me. Coyle Ray is a Taurus like me. <laughs> I understand how she deals with things, and I'm a fan of it because she's also a great listener. And she's a great communicator. And, you know, if if you felt like she was dressing inappropriate, the, the, the two things I'm not going to do is try to control people. I ain't going to tell you how you should do things. I'll give you my opinion. But I ain't going to tell you how. Hey, ladies, it's Angela Yee. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head on over to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for official rules and a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. You should dress. You're a young woman now. You ain't mm-hmm. you taking care of yourself. You're a superstar. She's selling multi-platinum records. So I got to respect her space. I'm big bro. I'm not dad. Mm-hmm. Let dad and daughter communicate directly about whatever they feel needs to be made as decisions. And I'm going to play my position, and I'm going to be a support system, and I'm going to be a resource, and I'm not going to overstep my boundary. Right. I got daughters, so yeah. I, I'm going to move accordingly to how I'm going to move with my own daughters. And, you know, again, um, I don't judge what or how people feel about things. I may not agree with how they go about things. But, again, the one thing that I feel could have been handled differently. Is reach out. Reach out to me. Right. We speak. You have my information. Fact Mundo Queen. Right. One thing I saw you trending for was the Burner Boy collaboration. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Listen, I let, first of all, you know, like I'm from Brooklyn. No so question. I'm always love. Brooklyn? <laughs> Talking about, son. So I'm always love when you do anything that sounds like that, of thank course. Thank you, Queen. And I feel like just even the way that you're able to cross genre into like a do your patois. Thank you, Queen. You know. Thank and you. so I see all the Burner Boy fans are going crazy. But you said that being in the studio with Burner Boy was one of the most incredible experiences That's for you. That's a fact. Let me just say this. The way the moment happened, I got to see Burner move. I respect when you understand and you in tune with the feeling in the moment. I'm excited when a beat make me feel like I want to get to it right now. Sometimes I come up with the magic right there. Sometimes I don't. It's my first impression. You get to make a first impression one time. Mm-hmm. I did the cameo in the video with Burner that he blessed me to be a part of with the Big Seven, and Benny Boom was directing that. Me and Benny Boom had just finished working on a video in Miami for the Blockbuster album. Benny comes back to New York, and I was still in Miami, but the day that I was getting back, he was shooting the video. So when I landed, I hit him, 
about the video that we did in Miami. And I was like, what you doing? And he was like, I'm shooting a video right now, downtown Manhattan. And we at this pizza shop, we doing a scene right now. The way the concept of the video was this. And he went in front of Biggie Crib and he pulled up on RZA. Mm -hmm. And it's, no, it's like y'all era is present in yeah. this video. So I was like, all right. He said, pull up, come get in this shot. So I, I go over there, I do the shot with me in a pizza shop. We having a great time, laughing, joking, we vibing. And this video was done and I'm I'm going to the studio. So I, I, I asked Burnham, what you dealing with? And he was like, he, he ain't doing nothing. I said, come to the studio. So he's like, I'll meet you over there. Cool, he meets me there, give him the information. We get in the studio. We just vibing and playing music. He got a bunch of joints for like four or five features, collabs, remixes. One of them was um, Taliban remix with Byron Messier oh, yeah. before it came out. <laughs> so I heard how he bodied that, and I was like, this is a disrespect what you did on this record, because he just sledgehammered it. Then he played me two, three other, and all of them was with Caribbean artists, dancehall artists. So I'm saying to myself, we let Brenner hear some of this Blockbuster album. <laughs> I mean, this is the perfect time. What? <laughs> let you hear some of this Blockbuster album. So I press play. I'm like, one song, we bugging, two songs, turning up more. Third song is the Pharrell joint, Robo Shata. We spazzing over that. And so he want to keep hearing joints. So I played about two, three more after that. Then he was like, yo. You got the session here for that Robo Shots? And I was like, absolutely. So I had a complete song already done to it. <laughs> so I removed the second verse, and he immediately was like, I'm going to deal with this right now. So I'm like, all right, I'm thinking he's, it's going to take some time. I step out the room. I go to the bathroom. I come back. The door's locked. <laughs> I can't get back in my own room. I need my... <laughs> so... I said, I ain't going to disturb him because for whatever reason, my cameraman was going back and forth. And I don't think he wanted the cameraman in there with the camera in his face okay. while he was recording. It wasn't an issue about me coming in there, but I didn't want to disturb him because I'm hearing the zone through the door. And I'm like, this is sounding stupid. And I, I don't want to interrupt right. how brilliant this is sounding. Whatever zone he in, let him stay in it. Probably like a good 30 minutes pass door unlocked they they he sent somebody to, to look for me so i could come in there and hit a verse i get in there and hit a verse and um he goes yo this is you know this is my um it's my first take at it so don't, don't judge me and he started <laughs> laughing so i'm laughing too and i'm like nah nah i ain't gonna judge you but i'm already knowing because i heard what i heard through the door and i already was at the Violet, door <laughs> when I'm, I'm at the door like <laughs> He violated the joint, but I didn't hear the everything. So I'm waiting to hear the everything now. You know, the ad-libs, everything added to it. He press play. He starts off calm, and then he gets to that turn-up part where he raises voice. And it's the automatic put your gun finger in the air and bust your gun with your legal shot like you in Brooklyn <laughs> in the dance hall for real. And we like this when that's playing in. <laughs> we start doing all of the, we start carrying on like we, we in, we in, we in built more ballroom or, 
we in we in Starlight Ballroom. Like these is like legendary dance hall clubs that you would go to back during the Reaganomics era when crack was booming in the street. The Ark. The Ark. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all, you know about that? That's I what used I'm to talking live two about. Two blocks away from there. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like. <laughs> Burner Boy, Burner Boy sounded like he was in that zone all the way on the joint. So, so for me to watch how he put it together in the moment, it wasn't no overthinking. He gelled with the whole vibe of the record flawlessly. He took it to another level to me as well. And it was done super quick. It wasn't- Listen, thank God for modern technology because back in the day, Right, you wouldn't have been able to just be like, "Let me just take my thing. I have it right here." Whoa, now that's a fact. Back in the day in the studio, you had to have like a the the the, the two inch tape yeah. machine, <laughs> the, the 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 two inch uh, reel. You gotta be like, "Hold on, I gotta go get it." You know what I'm saying? The dude got a line a line of the tape machine to be able to play your two inch tape. People have no idea what that has to be like. Super. To, and then if you lost it, it's just gone forever. Yeah, yo, that's really crazy, and it's ill because like even with you saying that. It's just bringing me back to memories where the internet wasn't even around yet. You had to FedEx your two-inch tape reel <laughs> Everything used to get country. leaked ahead of time because there was fact. no way to... No way to conceal it or hide it. Yeah. And 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 even even though those was the days and those challenges was real, <laughs> the one thing that I do miss is the analog warmth of that two-inch tape reel, the way it makes you feel. If you notice, there's a difference between the records that James Brown made and how they felt and the records that Aretha and them made, in addition to the soulfulness that they was creating, which only could come from a feeling that you understood during that time going through that struggle they was going through, it made them sing with a different pain in their voice. But that tape, it makes the music, it, it enhances the feeling of that. That analog tape sound enhances the soulful, the way it captures the soulfulness of any and every artist. That soul that's in what you're doing, that tape catches the most incredible more than any digital technology. That and it also requires exist. you to be there. Like you think about Wu-Tang and how they would record their albums, everybody was there. Yeah. You know, because you couldn't just email it, I'm going to send you back the vocals yeah. and yeah. you put it on. Real it talk. really did require people being in the room together. That's a fact. And, mm-hmm. and I think with that being said, that, that that is a part of the magic that happened with Blockbuster album. Yeah. I was in the studio with Quavo and the studio here in New York. Shinsia pulled up on me here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, me and the baby was in a studio in Santa Monica in Los Angeles together, and we did every back and forth bar in one session for the whole song in one night within like four hours. You know, Chris Brown, I went to his crib when he sang on my record and watched him lay them vocals. You know what I'm saying? That's a different type of feeling. A different that... type of feeling on God. It's, it's no feeling like being in there, being able to vibe with each other and give each other inspiration in the moment. It's the dopest feeling ever. And look, I always look at you and Old Dirty Bassett were on Electra at the same time. Absolutely. And collaborating together and being in the studio together. Absolutely. Those had to be wild times. Incredible times. <laughs> wild times. You done, you know, we done had some stories that we <laughs> shared with each other. You know, you've been an official part of the Wu legacy during that time when I was first getting with Old Dirty. Mm-hmm. You was with them. So we was getting with both of them 
and I've known them since 91, 92, because I knew them again before the Wu came out. I didn't know nobody outside of Jizza Rizza and Old Dirty, though. Right, they had that group all in together. Yep. Yeah, I knew them three, <laughs> and then when Wu came, that's when I got to meet Ghost and Ray and Deck and everybody else, but I knew them before Wu, and then when Wu came, they came with the first album in 93, Leaders came in 91. Mm-hmm. So, seeing how long I've known Old Dirty before we got with him and he put out Return of the 36 Chambers in 95 and I put out The Coming in 96, we literally grew together in this shit, not just as brothers and friends, but both as members of the 5% Nation of the Gods and the Earths, both coming from these groups, both being Brooklyn, Brooklyn kids and us actually growing in this together and, and evolving together. The stories that we've shared before we got on the record tonight, Angela Yee, those was the priceless gems and the memories that we both experienced firsthand mm-hmm. watching our genius brother. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's our brother, Angela. Old Dirty's your bro. That's my bro. I love that dude. Like, I, I, you can't tell me nothing wrong about a song. You remember where you were when you heard what happened? Because I remember I they had just did that show in Jersey that night. Dirty missed the show, and then yeah. he was in the studio. Yeah. And then, you know, they were like, oh, Dirty Bassett passed away. Yeah, I was just, excuse me. When I heard what happened to the God, I was just flying back into town from Los Angeles. I just got to my crib, but just dropped my bags. I was going to the studio. In the transition to the studio, I heard, refused to believe it, refused to accept it. Tried to get in touch with RZA, couldn't get the guard on the phone. And then I think that somebody really confirmed it on the radio and told the driver to pull over for a second. I, I lit a cigarette. I shed a tear. I was super angry. And uh, I tried to reach out to Isoline mm-hmm. and salute to Isoline too. Um, you know, when I had the God on the ELE2 album, because Asan got on the last album, and Isoline cleared that, and RZA, he actually gifted me with those vocals on Asan. It, 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 was, it was strange being in the studio and having acapella vocals of him and using outtakes that the world never heard. Right. And it sounded like he was in the room with us because... You know, in the beginning of the song with Slow Flow, when when we did that on ELE 2, he wasn't here. Obviously, he was gone already, but when I went to go see RZA in L.A. at the time and he gave me this incredible moment of Sean in the studio with these outtakes of him talking and joking, when he says, Bet you won't let me love you. Yo, I want to do my new rhymes and shit, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know them shits. 
it sound like he talking to me in the yeah. stool when we was in the Wuha session <laughs> and he wasn't writing the rhymes for six sessions until he <laughs> decided he was in the mood to work after six days and not doing nothing <laughs> while we trying to come up with this Wuha remix and then he finally bodied it. It's like, damn, when I'm listening to him talk, it's bringing me right back to that time when I was in soundtrack studios with him trying to finish Wuha remix and it was emotional for me because he not rhyming, he's just talking. You know what I'm saying? When when he did that, mm-hmm. and, and I use it at the top of the song, so you could just hear him by right. himself speak. I'm like, damn, this this ain't even a song moment. This is just him talking to me, and I'm feeling like I want to respond to him, but mm-hmm. he's not here to respond. Like that was a really ill moment for me, and and there was so many other outtakes that. We obviously had to choose between which one was the right one and which one wasn't. That you sit there and you listen and you hearing him breathe while he's in between the talking. And it's like, God damn, this is, we ain't never getting this back. Right. It's a terrible feeling, but I'm, 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 I'm you know, I've had my time to process that long time ago. And, you know, I'm just super proud to see his son out there with the gods looking like him, putting his hair up like him, moving like him, representing his legacy so beautifully because I was on that tour to see young Dirty go out there and deal with repping his father in the most incredible way. Sometimes I also feel like it's the biggest blessing to have even been able to know somebody. That's a fact. You know, there's so many people that I've never had the opportunity to meet, but when you've had the blessing to be able to have really experienced people in real mm. life and have your own like special moments and stories to share. I think that's super true. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 the that's the greatest blessing. You know, and when the blessings when you identify with that blessing, man, and you know that that blessing is greater than man, the magic that happens in real life is is being given to you from something greater than us. That's like when you when you identify with that, you appreciate it so much greater. And I think that the fact that you identify with that, Ange, and and I like I I try to make it very clear to people that the blessings ain't stopping, so we ain't stopping. Damn near every single post I put on my gram yep. every single day, because <laughs> I'm super appreciating my blessings in a different way at this point of my life. Knowing old dirty was a tremendous blessing. Knowing all of my Woo brothers, a tremendous blessing. Nas, a tremendous blessing. 50, a tremendous blessing. I've had my biggest experiences in the last two years just being on the road with bros that I know 25 and 30 years. Where we pull up and we work. And it's the most pleasurable experience because ain't nobody... In that young, ignorant, <laughs> ego-driven yeah. space no more. Ain't nobody... What you need me to do? Word, okay, is we, word that's what it is now. <laughs> what you need me to do? How can I help? I'm a resource to you. Let me remind you. Use me, brother. Whatever it is, just send me my marching orders and I'm pulling up front and center ready to salute. Like, that's how we giving it up for each other. Nobody got no egos that need to be checked at the door because it's already checked from years ago in our life. Mm-hmm. We ain't even bringing it nowhere with us no more. <laughs> the respect everybody understands that needs to be given to each other is prioritized every single day without thought. It's just instinctually what we do because everybody done earned their right to passage 
when it comes to their respect, it's garnished what you stand on and represent as a man, the way you're supposed to be respected. Anything that falls short of that, the accountability needs to be times 10 because you know better. Everybody know better now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it look, it look, yeah. it look extra bozo. <laughs> it's like it's like supreme force bozo. If you pull up at this stage of your life trying to act stupid with another man that's your, like your your brother, your heir, like that you've known for 35, 25 years, thirty years, like that shit. It actually sounds stupid. That's to me. I just I just love that. That's where we all are at in our life at this time. And that's what it felt like being on the tours. And that's what it feels like being in the studios. That's what it feel like when we just holler at each other just to say what's up. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Blessings, like you said, Queen. Well, listen, talk. look, I know that we could, because there's so much I didn't even get to. You got to come back for like a part two. Cause I promise I'll I want to talk about Flip Mode Squad. Oh, I wanna, absolutely. You know, because Rod Digger is my girl from like back in the day. Big up Rod Digger. The Queen just got married last night. What? Last night? Last night. She got married yesterday. Stop From playing. today. So if this is coming on tomorrow. <laughs> you know what right, well, shout out to you, yeah. Rashia. Well, big shout to Rashia Fisher. <laughs> Rashia Fisher. Birth name Rashia. <laughs> Sweetest person. Had no idea. But with all of that, we got to talk about. I mean, you got to come back. That's all it is. Like, I period. Because I feel like there's so much I didn't even get a chance to. I, it's just too much. I, I can't yeah, even. Yeah, this is me and you. And, and, and we. this is the first time Earth. That me and Angela Yee is actually getting to build like this, y'all. Yeah. I love this woman, and I respect this woman, and I'm super proud of you and your growth and your evolution. It's definitely a testament to you understanding how to be swift and changeable in order to stay remainable queen. <laughs> oh, shoot, I like that. Can we isolate that? And make that... <laughs> okay, we got a song. Um, but no, honestly, for real, like, there's so much. It is really such an honor for me to have you on here. When they were like, it was tentative on the schedule, I was like, Lord, please let this happen for me. <laughs> but you, there queen. was just so many things that I want to get into with you. So we definitely are going to do it again. But I want to congratulate you on putting out this amazing project. I saw the great responses that you've gotten online. Thank you, you have um, I mean, I saw when I saw Bia, that's when the song Beach Ball had already came out. Right. So I was talking to her about that when right. I saw her in L.A. And she was telling me how excited she was to just even be working with a legend like yourself. And so super love Bia. And, you know, for me, I don't think a lot of people know. She put in her hundred thousand hours before she got on. Mm -hmm. Like I remember seeing Bia in the studio 10 years before her first single in a studio with Pharrell. Yep, she was signing Pharrell. You know what I'm saying? Just sitting in there waiting when she could get her record recorded and eating a hero, a half a hero sandwich in a stu in a stew and in sweatsuit and all of this beautiful and sexy that she's evolved into and how she's coming to her own as this incredible artist and this incredible woman and she's an international artist too uh, like that's the part but, that i yeah. love so much mm -hmm. and she is comfortable displaying her comfort being on her international from working with edm dudes to working with the 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 the, the, the artists from the uk to yep her last Latin project Grammys. yeah you know it's like she and be and be spanking them though like she's spanking everybody in this in this way because she ain't scared of the diversifying so big up to be a 
Love my sis. Big shout to Coyle Ray. Love my sis. Big shout to Quavo. Love my brother. Big shout to Moray. Big shout to the landlord gigs. My brothers. <laughs> Big shout to uh my kids. Yeah, don't forget them, please. Can't please. forget them. Trillion. <laughs> They're out here too. <laughs> salute. C Rye. Love y'all. I gotta give a super salute to Young Blue. Mm-hmm. And blast Blue Vandross and blast big them up, song. big up Chris Brown, big up Shensia. You know what I'm saying? Am I forgetting anybody? Kodak. Kodak Black. <laughs> Young Kodak Thug. Black. Young T-Pain. Thug. Young. Th- First of all, Freak Thugger, big up Thugger, and we're gonna definitely make sure we send the right energy and love and light in yeah, the universe today. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I'm saying what I'm saying. We gotta. We got to all collectively send the right energy, the right love, and the right light and, and and put the most supportive energy into the universe for Thug while he's dealing with his trial, being that it officially started today. Yeah. And um, I'm just grateful to Thug. And it's interesting, man. Thug is, yo, like two days before I had to finalize the album so that the CDs could get made and the vinyl could get made. Thug had a different verse on the joint. And we had to send it back to him so you know we could give a final approval on it and get it cleared. He like, I got the word back, now I'm denying this. And I'm like, what? Two days before I got, I was, we needed five weeks to make the CDs in the vinyl. I ain't got, I can't, no, no, ain't no running around time for nobody else to get on this record and be perfect for this record. He said, I ain't denying the record. I'm just denying this verse. I said, yes, that's what I'm talking about, dog. <laughs> the crazy part about it is I get a call. I got a big up G off, and I got a big up uh, the engineer. I forget his name, man. I got to remember his name. But they were so helpful, and Thug gave them the green light to send me some other verses. But I had to send them the song without that verse there, so they could place the other verses. Okay, wow. He sent me back like five dope options. And I picked one, and Doug said, nah, I'm keeping that for myself. <laughs> we gotta get this done. <laughs> I'm like, Doug, come on, B. But, but, that's but, amazing that he has that much music in the stash, too. Yeah, that's that they the could cr- be like, here's five in- options. Yeah, incredible. His stash box is retarded. Like, Doug. He, he, he's like us, though. He's just, he loves the studio. He's a studio rat like all of us. Like, we love to be in that studio cooking up, even mm-hmm. if we ain't got no project. It's therapeutic to be in a stool. It's a peace of mind. It's a tranquil space. But overall, you know, the, from the women to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the male artists that pulled up, the producers, all of the producers, my brother Swiss Beats, Pharrell Timberland, I'm super grateful to y'all for not just giving me the production on the album, but executive producing it and making sure that everything else was conducive with the standard that they set with the first six records that we recorded. Cause what a trifecta that is right there. Unbelievable, <laughs> right? Super unbelievable. But I'm going to tell you something. Angela Lee, I need to pull up again and again and again. I need to get a whole lot of incredible stories that I feel need to be shared because it's not only my truth, it's my 
my truth that I'm finally comfortable with sharing. I know. That's what I was saying, right? Because I could hear that on this album and even in interviews that you've been doing and even just the honesty talking in men's health. Yeah, no question. You know, that story that you did and being really honest about things like that, sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. And I feel like we come from an era of privacy, too. That's a fact. And it's it's different now. Yeah. But we come from that era. But when you get to a space where you're really happy and comfortable, it makes it a lot easier. Absolutely, Queen. And, and I've been in that space at the highest level for the last two years. And it just continues to become more and more and more amazing and brilliant. And man, I, 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 I'm going to just continue to share. You know what I mean? I'm going to share it. Because people are like so inspired by all the interviews that you've been doing. Thank you, Queen. I've really been seeing all of that. Like, oh my God, this Busta Rhymes interview just, you know, changed my whole life, my wow. whole perspective. Thank but you, that's Queen. important to be in a space where you can do that for people. Absolutely, Queen. And I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm happy for the love that the way people are receiving my truth, my vulnerability, the time that it took for me to get comfortable enough to share it. Mm hmm. And I'm just glad that I'm able to do it on my own terms and do it when I'm really in a place where I can stand on it, good, bad, or indifferent as far as how other people might see it or view it. Obviously, the goal and the objective is to inspire people, make sure that we all can guide each other in a way that we can avoid stepping in shit piles that we can avoid stepping in. Right. Listen, because there's been some nasty things happening. <laughs> That's a fact, Queen. Right now. and it's a real nasty. Yeah. And people will tell you, like, the business is just like that. This is, That's not true. Like, nah. every man does not act nah. a certain way. They'll be like, oh, that was the error. Guys just did that. That's why, um, you know, this is all happening because it's just a different time period. But wrong is wrong no matter what that time period is. That's a fact. But, 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 but I also feel like there's two, um, there's two components when it comes to that. Wrong is wrong, and accountability is definitely the justice, which is the reward or penalty for one's actions or deeds, mm -hmm. that should happen regardless of time frame. But that same reward or penalty for one's actions or deed, if the allegation ain't actual fact, it needs to be held accountable in that way as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think both ways. That's my point. You know, but when we see a lot of people saying something about somebody and witnesses and all of that, you know, it is... Because I see people saying, well, why did she not say anything And about women in general? They'll say that, you know, when it right. happened. And it's not easy to step up and, and be vocal when somebody's in a position of power. Right. To be able to perhaps stop your career, even who knows, even something worse, where people around you are even scared to speak up at the time, right. and it's not even happening to them, you know. Well, I, like like I said, mm -hmm. like I said before, I, I just feel like I can't ever really speak from a place where I'm not informed. We can always right. have our opinion and perspective. I feel like when the truth is undisputed, at the end of the day, the show and prove is going to be brought to fruition. I like to stand by. Accountability and, and, on all ends. Yeah, on all ends. The, the truth that's undisputed. It's like, for example, you do something as a man, yeah, you need to get your head dealt with. Derek Chauvin is going through that right now. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> it don't matter what a courthouse mm -hmm. said. He got to deal with something His else. Accountability. There's something else happening with him. He can't run from that. Yeah. 22 years he got to sit in there and deal with that. That's That's greater than man now. Man gonna do it, but the thing that you put in the souls of the people, it is affecting something deeper than just the man's act. You going through all type of things internally before you even go through with the act. So that you gonna have to answer to that. Yes, 
but it's like the young lady as well that faked her kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was wild. I, it's like we living in a different day. The era we come from yeah, wasn't that too, was wild. It, it wasn't a lot of this happening. I'm not saying that anything is good, bad in the process. I'm just saying when it comes to the truth and the show and prove, that's ultimately the best the best part. Mm-hmm. I like to just wait and, and, and look at it from that perspective too because it's a real ill feeling when people prematurely judge and then uh, if the truth comes out that, that exonerates the person that you was really judging terribly against mm-hmm. happens and now this person is back in the place that they need to be in or they got the resolution that they needed and that, and that they wanted and everything is in a better place. Keep the same energy when you looking like a bozo too, prejudging. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just know as a woman, it's hard for women to come forward. There's so many more people who would never say anything about things that have happened to them. I agree. And so that's a difficult thing. So I just want to always make sure that people feel safe to be able to share. Some people will want to share their story and they don't get anything out of it. It's not easy to put yourself out there because no matter what, people always think you're lying too. There's always going to be people who think you're lying even when you're not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, so either way, it's not an easy um, position. I got got daughters, Queen. Mm-hmm. I I I'm I'm defending them babies <laughs> in a in this in the most unfathomable way. God forbid. Right. God forbid. God forbid. <laughs> so I'm with you on that one trillion percent, and I'm also as a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I've 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 had to deal with, and you know, us as as black people, a lot of the a time. You know what we've just been subjected to historically, the, the, the senselessness that we've lost life behind mm-hmm. just because of being accused or just lost being accusations, handled yeah, in a way that was so undeserving. It's it's the worst thing in the world to know that even when you realize that the person that destroyed this life and the many lives of a family by falsely accusing this person that didn't even deserve and doesn't do anything or even historically have mm-hmm. a behavior pattern that warrants being handled in this way. Right. And you take this life from his family, you take this life from that person. And there's no accountability. there's no accountability. And there's no ever bringing that person back. There's never even no, and the person that, that, that actually doesn't get held accountable and gets away with it. Lives their whole life. They, they live their life and then they, they, they get pop off like that again. And it's just... We've had to deal with this historically since the inception of this whole, you know, government infrastructure. You know, this might be a can of worms that we opening now that we ain't got the time for. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I definitely feel like there's a lot of this that we are at this space in life now where we got to start feeling a lot more comfortable about talking about because there's a whole lot of politics involved with trying to control what you can say now and can't say. And I think it's okay to say things and get corrected on them, too. I'm okay yeah, with that. And absolute, to have right. a difference of opinion and not agree. Right. And I think all those things should be okay. I don't condone people attacking people or saying, nah, none you know, of that but ain't I cool. also like having an open mind and listening to what other people have to say. That's actually and, the way it mm-hmm. should be. You know, at the end of the day, we are all brilliant minds that should be able to express the brilliance of our mental capacity. And an opinion is not a decision. 
and an opinion is not a judgment. And a lot of it comes from our experiences, because your experience as a man who is an artist in this business, you've seen things from a different light than me as a woman who's been in this business. So I might look at something a different way that could make you be like, okay, I could see that. And you might look at it and I'm like, all right, I understand your point of view. Absolutely, Queen. And so it's all about experiences that we have. But we're going to do this, I'm telling you. Yeah, no, we definitely ain't stopping. And and what's so dope about this, this, this vibe session with you today, it's like for me, it's like there's moments that just... They they organically dictate the growth and the evolution of a friendship. I really and truly feel like there's been a growth in our friendship today. All right. Well, this was Buster Rhymes, my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> real talk. This is dope. It's like, you know what I mean? I don't, don't want to sit around and just talk. <laughs> if I ain't comfortable with you to just talk. Right. We got things to do. I was like, how am I going to top Drink Champs? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. But, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Noria EFN. Love you guys. Big right. up to the bros, man. <laughs> well, thank you, Bussa Bus. I appreciate it. Thank you, Miss Boss Lady Angela. Let's get to it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it growing. All right. It's way up. Hey, ladies, it's Angela Yee. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for official rules and a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.